Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris, your host, and um, doing what I love to do, talk about the red ink in the scriptures. Do you think red ink? Uh, you know we're supposed to. The Apostle Paul says that we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. When we have the mind of Christ, we think like he did. And um, I, I know that's, that sounds impossible or way out there, but the truth is, is over time, as we gradually uh, allow our minds to conform to the mind of Christ, uh, we become really what we ought to be. This is not a fantasy or a fairy tale. We actually can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, I can't think of a better example than Jesus Christ to uh, mimic or to, I mean, un until it becomes a part of us. I Look, I don't like, I don't like at all the, uh, the saying, fake it until you make it. But there is some element of truth in that, and um, I would have to say that uh, that would be strictly or only that when we don't know what to do, and it does not come naturally for us, that we should default to the commandments of God. We should default to uh, what we know is right and what we know is just and holy and humble. And uh, when, when that happens, uh, and, and you might be a little disappointed in yourself that you didn't think of it or it's very uncomfortable for you to do the right thing, but, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time and practice and just to make what, what we should have um, a, a natural response. Um, it, it, does, it does really become natural. It's not a matter of habit. It's not a matter of that I defaulted to the right thing to do so much that now it is my habit to do so. No. Um, when we have the mind of Christ, we consider things as he would have considered them. Um, now, this is important uh, in our relationship to, to the men and women around us. This is important to our, uh, uh, the respect level that we have toward the Father. Um, Jesus had a huge amount of respect for the Father that um, I don't know that we see it because of our religion really doesn't offer us much in the way of, um, uh, of example and, um, and our theology is, is so messed up uh, that we probably don't even see it. You know a perfect example of this? Uh, you've heard me talk about how um, we have uh, turned prayer into an opportunity for God to do something for us. And, um, and instead of that communicative relationship where we can spend time with Him and open ourselves to Him and have Him speak to our hearts and, and show us the, the flaws and the foibles and the little things in our life that, that necessarily need to be straightened out. And, and if, we, if we do take that time 
and we replace what we have always called prayer with this time of, of fellowship, um, there are things that start to take place in us that uh, will, I, I think that it will, will frankly surprise you. One of those things is that the Bible teaches clearly that we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We also know that Jesus said, My Father knows you have need of all these things. We also know that Jesus said, These people who pray these long prayers, you know, these big, long, verbose uh, uh, diatribes that at the end of the service, you know, somebody sticks their paw out and says, really enjoyed that prayer, brother. Well, if anybody heard it, yeah, it wasn't done according to what Jesus said, what he said to pray to your father in secret. But, uh, you know, that, even that aside, the idea that when we pray according to the will of God and according to the word of God, that that comes from the inside up, um, that he has heard our prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, and, and we know that if we pray according to his will, we know he hears us. So I know that some of the faith teachers and stuff kind of rub this in your face and kind of make it very uncomfortable about praying about something twice if you pray about it once then it's then you know there's not there's nothing to pray for well the people who feel compelled to pray about something twice are the people that have never prayed at all so it's hard to tell them not to do it again um, but i do think that we ought to pray intelligently and according to the will of god and we shouldn't insult him by turning it into you know a, a big showy thing and, uh, well, you know what I mean. I don't have to explain this. Everyone has seen this. Everyone has heard this. Now, as I say, as you start to think like Christ thought, all of a sudden uh, you start to hear things in his speech and, and think, what was he thinking that made him say that? Well, one of the perfect examples of this is when uh, Jesus was raising Lazarus from the dead. And uh, he stood out in front of this tomb where Lazarus had his uh, body placed. And uh, <laughs> he says, Now, Father, <laughs> I know you've already heard me. But because of these people standing here, therefore I said it. Hmm, what did he mean by that? He was actually apologizing. Why? He has a respect for the Father that, you know, is just, it's not apparent in most Christians' lives. He had a respect for him like, I'm not, doing, I'm not praying this twice. I'm not, I'm not doing this, you know, for any other reason other than the fact that I think that it's, it's you who, who is, is raising this man from the dead, and I want everybody in here to know it. Now, to, to come out here and put on a big show in front of people, <laughs> you know, get the, get the piano playing and get the, get the hype level up, uh, I think is a, is a mistake. 
And I don't want to insult you with that. So here, I'm going to explain to you <laughs> why I'm praying again. I know you've already heard me. But I don't want these people to think that this is, that this is anything other than you. Now see, there's a respect level for God the Father like I've not seen in Christians. Have you? Um, that's a, that's a, a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Jesus apologizing for praying twice. All right, we are in chapter 14 of our little book, The Words of Jesus, and uh, Jesus is going to start talking about fasting, uh, a subject that I think should be uh, uh, thoroughly examined and and um, and should be, and the effects of which should be a, a part of every Christian's life. I think there is a place for fasting, and uh, we're going to read here that Jesus says that there is a place for fasting in a in a Christian's life. Um, if you remember, uh, Jesus when he sent out the seventy, uh, they came back. And uh, and they were rejoicing and they were happy and they said, you know, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And he said, now I don't want you to be rejoicing about the devils being subject to you. Um, I don't think he appreciates it when we praise the devil, which means talk about what the devil is doing. You did know that when you spend time with your friends over tea, or you go to church, or you do your little testifying and such as that. When you stand up and say, the devil's really had his way with me this week, you realize <laughs> that that is praise. How did David praise the Lord? Well, he praised him by talking about all of his wonderful works, didn't he? Well, that's how we praise the devil. Think about that next time you decide to make him a part of every spiritual conversation you have. Um, now, if we uh, are intent on not praising him, um, as Jesus was telling his disciples, uh, this is not worthy of praise. This is not worthy of your uh, undivided attention that he is subject to you. First of all, it has little to do with you and everything to do with me. I'm the one that puts him underfoot. Uh, but second of all, he says, I want, you to, I want you to be thankful that your names are written in heaven, in the Lamb's book of life. That's, where, that's what you should rejoice about. Well, after they had their little session and dealt with all these things, here comes a man with his son and says, I need you to help me. Jesus says, what's the problem? And uh, so he decides to explain to him the problem and, um, and says that there is a, there's a demon possession here that um, really takes this child over, throws him into a fire sometimes, throws him into the water and he almost drowns. And, and then as they were speaking, the child started manifesting these signs of, of, of demons, evidently. And it was described in the, by the gospel writer as the father looked down as he was talking to Jesus. And I can, I can just see him standing there seeing a son that he loved. And he said, behold, he foameth again. In other words, look, 
It's happening now. And it was breaking his father's heart. Then he says something that broke Jesus' heart. He says, I brought him to thy disciples, and they couldn't do any good. And Jesus said, Oh, you faithless and perverse generation. How long will I have to suffer you? How long will I be with you? I want you to notice that Jesus put faithless and perverse in the same sentence. I know many of us who take care with our Christianity that we know that we will answer to a God one day for the deeds that we've done in the flesh, that we're careful. I hope you are. And um, because we know that there's nothing hidden from the eyes of our Father, there are many things that we don't indulge in. I would say that one of the things that is just simply... Well, in most cases, it's a shame you have to say that. But um, in most cases, <clears throat> a, 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 a Christian is not involved in what anybody would call perverse. <laughs> As I say, I, I hate to say that and have to make apology for it because we've had so many examples of this in recent history especially of our church leadership. But um, when we think about perversity, uh, it's hard for a Christian to say, now wait a minute, I don't know how perverse I am. I don't know if I'm a pervert. But when it comes to faithlessness, Jesus puts these two things in the same category, in the same sentence, faithless and perverse. Now this is, uh, you know, this is quite an indictment. I didn't know that when I wanted to go my own way, when I wanted to make things happen in my life and not have to sell out to that wholesale faith that is so required among us, with us, to, um, I, 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 and I don't, I don't want to do the sellout thing. I'll tell you what, I'm going to pray about it. Then I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. And if it does happen, then I'll just say, thank you, Jesus. I'll give testimony at church or whatever else. But when it comes to actually selling out the faith, you see, again, here we're talking about something when I say faith, you're thinking one thing and I'm thinking another. Somebody else is thinking something else. But, and I know we're going to talk about all these things. However, can I, can I just say here that faith is not hope? It's not keeping a stiff upper lip. It's not just looking at things in a positive outlook. It's not the power of positive thinking. Faith is moving upon what the Lord has made clear to you in your heart is His will, His way, and what He wants you to do. That's the only way you can have faith. 
That's just a, you know, a parenthesis in the sentence, but, and we're going to talk about it at depth at, a, at another time. But here, and in, in our faithless Christianity, we've decided that we don't necessarily want to do what is required to, to do something by faith. Because what does faith require? Faith requires that we hear the voice of God. We've never heard his voice. Jesus said no man's ever heard his voice or seen his shape. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to have to rely on the promise that Jesus gave us, which was, if you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, then my Father and I will take up our abode in you. And we'll lead you and guide you from the inside. This is his promise. If you keep my commandments. So, I don't know if I want to keep his commandments. I know, I know what I'm doing wrong. I know that I'm worshiping other gods. I know that paganism is a huge part of my Christianity. I know that, uh, you know, I've changed the Sabbath day and don't even keep it on the day that I've appointed. I know that there's all kinds of problems I have with the commandments. And so I went to my preacher about this and said, what do I do? What do I do? And he says, nobody can keep the commandments. <laughs> oh, whew, that was close. I thought I was going to have to keep them. Why would you think that? Because Jesus said to keep them. Well, yeah, but, you know, he was, he was ministering under the Old Testament thought of the Old Covenant and salvation by works and, you know, he, after he came back from the dead, why well, he said all that's, all that's gone. Did he really? Where did he say that? Well, you know, when you have as many years in this as I do, you'll be able to see these things in the scriptures. But for now, don't worry about keeping the commandments. I know it's never been that clear or that, you know, clearly spoken or, you know, that obvious, but isn't that pretty much the message we get? So we find out that, and now we have an excuse, really not to hear from God. Well, when you have not heard from the Lord, how can you have faith? Well, I just take Scripture in the Bible and put faith in it. And where did you receive that instruction? I'd like to know where, you, where did it occur to you, oh gee whiz, <laughs> I can just pull a scripture out of the Bible and put my faith in it and, it'll, and it will happen. I dare you <laughs> to find that idea, that concept, that procedure in the scriptures. It's not there. We've been told this all of our lives, but it's not there. We have to put our faith in the Word of God, not the Bible. We have to hear the word of God. Jesus didn't say, he who has eyes, let him read. He said, he who has ears, let him hear. We're to hear the word of God. And when you do, and you put faith in it, now you're exercising the faith of the entire list of all the people listed in Hebrews 11. Do you realize that every person in that list heard the voice of God, heard the word of God, not the voice of God, but heard the word of God within themselves and obeyed it. That is faith, and that's all that faith will ever be. 
Jesus says that in this basic understanding of faith, there is a perverseness in the body of Christ that, frankly, sickens him to the point that he says, I don't even want to be here anymore. Have you ever gone to a meeting or gone to an event or something and about halfway through you're thinking, I don't even want to be here anymore. No, I'm not talking about your job. I mean something that you thought you would enjoy. Um, But this is what Jesus was saying. You faithless and perverse generation. How long will I suffer you? How long will I have to put up with this? Now, it sounds to me like I would think that the Lord would be somewhat unfair if he was expecting behavior from his disciples that he didn't clearly delineate ahead of today or, you know, before now. It's like um, uh, when God was judging Cain for killing Abel. I always thought, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no law. There's no stones. There's nothing that says thou shalt not murder. You know, I mean, take it easy on the guy. And then you continue reading and you find out that the Lord had had conversations with Cain before that day and said, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Friend, if you want to put your finger on Christianity, if you want to put your finger on what's wrong in Christianity, why things don't work, why prayers aren't answered, why we have no power over ourselves, why we have no power in the earth, why we're laughed at and lampooned and and, and now even murdered around the country just for being Christian. Why do they despise us so? Why is this country known as the great Satan? Why is that? What has happened? How can a country supposedly found on founded on Christian principles, be considered by other religions as the great Satan. How can that be? Because we're perverse. I know, I know, you know, the Muslims complaint, one of the Muslims complaint with the United States is more pornography pours out of this country with the crummy internet that we have than does any other country. You know, Hollywood is constantly pumping it out. Lies come across the television. Uh, you know, they're, they're all you know, pushing their own political agendas. They see nothing over here of honor and character and dignity. And look, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to give points to any particular religion, but I'm saying Christians ought to shine, but we don't. We're perverse. Why is that? Perhaps because we've changed the voice for a choice. And now we, through intelligence and through education and through, you know, what what makes sense and, you know, what the psychologists say and what the professors say and even what the preachers say. And we've educated ourselves and educated ourselves and we've finally made ourselves into people who can choose between right and wrong. Friend, You want to be Christian? You want to think red ink? Do you really want the mind of Christ? You're going to have to change. You're going to have to exchange. You're going to have to give up the choice for the voice. We're going to have to go before our Lord. We're going to have to hear what He has to say to us so that we can have faith. 
If we don't, we're perverse. We're a perverse people. We're, a, we're, we're perverse and in reverse, and it's just, it's getting worse. No, I didn't mean to make a rhyme, but it, but it absolutely is a fact. This is where we are. This is where we're going. And uh, so we're, how are we going to stop this? Well, you're going to find as we go through here, uh, through to the red letters of Scripture, as we talk about all the principles and the character of God and, the, and what He expects us to do and what His Son has to say to us and everything that's in our future and everything that's been in our past, you're, you're going to find that there is a common thread that runs throughout. And that is many people who call themselves Christian have never known the Father, Jehovah, Jehovah. They've never known Him. They've never spoken. They've never communed with one another. They, they've never heard the word of God within themselves. Jesus said, you know, if you ever eat this bread, you'll never hunger again. You're not going to be running back and forth from church to church trying to get fed. You're going to be the supplier of food. You're going to find out what Jesus meant when, he, when the disciples came to him and said, look at all these people out here. They've been, they've been fasting. They've been doing without food. We need to feed these people. Jesus looked at me and said, how many loaves have ye? Brenda, you know what? We're perverse. We're broken. We are bankrupt in this area. And something has to change. I can help you. I can help you. I can, I can channel you into, plug you into, wire you up to the most prominent power in the universe. But you're not going to get to do what you want to do anymore. This is going to cost you everything you have. Well, this doesn't sound like a free salvation to me. Well, it's not. I know you've been told that, but it's not. It's not free. Not, not in any way other than the fact that you can't pay for it. You know, really, there's a big difference in being free and being priceless. Friend, our salvation, it's absolutely priceless. And until we have that relationship that just that feels like gold, that feels like silver, that feels like value, that actually is priceless. You're not going to know what I'm talking about. You're not going to read yourself into this. You're not going to study yourself into this. What are you going to do? Hopefully, you're going to start thinking red ink. Our time's gone. Sorry about that. Join us next time to hear more about the words of Jesus and in this Words of Jesus series. I want to hear from you. If you're listening to this show, can I just hear from you that you're watching, it's your listening? All you have to do is send an email to don at thinkredinc.com. You can write to Think Red Inc. Ministries, P.O. Box 718, Pie Town, New Mexico, 87827. All right, it's just a matter of thinking, what did Jesus say? How are you going to know that? You're going to know that because you think red ink. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.